Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And, and Matt, there is so much ASU stuff going on right now. There really is, yes. Uh, my my mom asked me about an hour ago and said, you know, did you did you pre-plan what you're going to talk about? And I said, no, but, it, you know, this is this is the heart of, of college sports right now, and there's a lot happening with football and basketball, so we, we didn't need to pre-plan it. There's, there's plenty to discuss. Mm-hmm. I, uh... I got to be honest with you. ASU basketball is in a much better spot than I thought they would be after they lost on the road in Texas. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, we we uh, we talked on that. Was it the Wednesday or or Tuesday before Thanksgiving? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, or no, I'm sorry, I think it was the week before. It was before the Oregon State game, and and we we you know that was the night they played VCU in that tournament and. We kind of talked as that game was getting going, and if you go back and listen to that, you'd probably think like, "Wow, this they, these two were really down on their luck," and uh, you know, and it just yeah. But it's it's been it's been really good since. I mean, uh, a good comeback win there that started it off in in Brooklyn, and then a great performance against Michigan, and uh, now back to back you know conference wins to open conference play. Neither one was you know overly dominant um had to you know big comeback needed against colorado and but on the road without frankie collins Stanford, but hey wins are wins so for me it's that vcu and michigan legends classic run was a bit of a coming out party for frankie collins and then they go to colorado and he's out right and i think True. it is a huge thing that the cambridges stepped up yeah, 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 no, agreed. Yeah, I mean it. Uh, it didn't look good. Um, you know, looked like we were. You know, it's one of those like kind of classic ASU. Like, uh, okay, you got some momentum. You go on the road, conference opener. Colorado's a decent team, but not great. Um, and it looked like you were gonna, gonna, you know, lay an egg. And and uh, yeah, instead it was uh, was very. A, a really nice comeback, and then I, I thought they were really going to control the Stanford game halftime. You know, first half it was they were in control. I think they were up eleven at the half, and then you know fell behind. Uh, let Stanford not only come, you know, get back in it, but take the lead. But you know, pulled away at the end, made the plays at the end to win it, and and you know now we can sit on that two and zero conference record for a few weeks before we we resume conference play on New Year's Eve. I think. Yeah, uh, midday tip on New Year's against the Wildcats. Against Arizona, right? But yeah, we play yeah. SMU and USF before that. Um, we do, and and uh, that USF yeah, game looms as as a difficult matchup. Agreed, and and don't we? I think we go to Creighton next week. Yeah, which they were they were a top ten team. I know they've lost a couple, so they're not ranked there anymore. Won't be at least by that time. Um, but uh, you know that's a tough game. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily expect to win there. Although we we beat them last year, didn't we? Um, yeah, that was the highlight of last year, if I recall. Uh, now they weren't as good. You know, they and, were kind and, of a and our team's completely team. different. True, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's huge, huge differences every year. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, happy with with what I'm seeing. Seems like there's good, uh, you know, good depth on this team. Um, and you know, I guess, I guess the elephant in the room here conversation is is the Marcus Bagley story. That I, you know, I think if you had told both of us that we'd start what eight and one or whatever it is. Uh, we would have thought, well, you know, Bagley must really be, you know, playing like the player he's supposed to be. And 
Instead, he's barely played and uh, now appears to maybe be on the outs with the program overall, I guess. He, it appears he may well be off the team. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's it's been difficult. You know, I heard, I heard rumblings about, you know, what happened at the NAU game and that he got into it. Um, and I didn't, you know, and then he didn't, he didn't travel to Brooklyn mm-hmm. injury, I guess. Um, but then he puts out that, you know, he did get into it with Hurley, which, which, you know, the statement kind of came off as sort of a, you know, okay, I'm going to own it. Um, type but, of deal, he, well, but, but, but it also, and the thing that I, after the further fallout, yeah. I think became clear was when he said, I'm a hundred percent healthy. I, right. I, I think, and, I could and be said wrong. Something to the effect of like, I normally don't talk about stuff like this, but people aren't being straightforward or something like that. There was a, there was a little bit of a, you know, like I'm going to own it, but you know, I'm going to own it because you guys are doing me wrong. Type of tone to that, I felt like. Well, and that's the thing is, I so I would go, I would venture to guess that this is purely speculation based on the stuff I've seen and listened to. I would venture to guess, though, that Bobby Hurley probably thought he was protecting by saying, oh, he's injured, as opposed to saying he's a malcontent. Right, right, yes. And then it, you know, it comes out that he's like, I'm not injured. I'm fine. I, you know, I said something I shouldn't have said, but that was weeks ago. Right, right, yeah. And then Hurley's like, okay, well, I I guess you're not going to play. And, and then, you know, I mean, I mean, Hurley tried, although it, it really doesn't stand up to the to the laugh test to say, you know, well, we're just, you know, like we're, we're playing. So, you know, we've got such a good rhythm. There's just not enough playing time available. Like, you know, we're playing well. But I, I think if this guy was the player he was supposed to be and had his head on straight, we'd find a, you know, like, you don't you know, you don't turn down a, a chance to have a better player in your rotation unless there's a reason. Um so, yeah, it, it sort of feels like a career that's just never going to quite be anywhere near what it what it was supposed to be, what it could have been. Um, you know, you go back to those first few games in the 2020 season. I think when we he played was a better than, in, he was better than Josh Christopher. Yeah, yeah. You know, we played that neutral site tournament. I can't remember where. Was it New York? Played those two games? yeah. And it was, uh, there were no fans, so it's hard, yeah. you know, like there's there's no atmosphere. But, but you know, he played well. I remember watching those two games, and I was like, yeah, you know, he looked like he, certainly the first game, I think we played Rhode Island, and and he was the better player than Christopher in that game, in one game, um, you know. But uh, it really thought like, man, this, this kid could be something, and he was kind of a, you know, ASU legacy, and, you know, is, is it his, whose joke, Caldwell's is, Grandfather, grandfather right about that yeah um you know so that was a, you know he's local uh you know his brother was a lottery pick uh you know he just felt felt good and boy injuries and then more injuries and now this whole drama and it just it just feels like it's it's not meant to be here unfortunately yeah i agree but hopefully it doesn't you know derail the team so far it sure hasn't well you know, I- like one of the things when you are just, you know, four of our, is it four of our starters weren't on the team last year? The two Cambridges, Washington and Collins? Washington. Yeah, yeah. So, true. you know, I 
I wonder if it's just like, yeah, whatever. We didn't play with him last year. We don't care. Like, uh, and I think that has to be it. Exactly. I mean, that you know, like we kind of said it in jest, but not really in jest. That like, you know, anything you got out of him felt like a bonus because he'd been so injured. That, you know, I mean, what did he play like two or three games last year? Yeah. Um, and and missed you know a good chunk of the of the back half of his freshman season. Um, you know, in, in conference season, he, you know, I think missed maybe, you know, felt like eight or 10 games at the end of the year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, you couldn't depend on his health and, and you wonder, I mean, and this is unfair in some ways, but you wonder now, like, is part of the reason for his health issues, like, were they, were they maybe not as bad, but he's just a bit of a, of a head case. I don't know. I mean, I, I recklessly speculating there, but you know, is it just like somebody who wasn't wasn't completely invested? But then you ask the question, like, why didn't he leave? I mean, he could have transferred. I, you know, like if he didn't want to be here, why why are you still here? Yeah, I mean, at a minimum, he could have gone to Grand Canyon, the route of everybody else who leaves. Right, right. I mean, you know, as we'll probably discuss when we talk football, I mean, the, the transfer market is is fast and furious, and you know, he would have had. He would have had suitors. I don't know if maybe he would have had, you know, uh, power conference teams banging down his door given his injuries and that. But, you know, like somebody would have taken a chance on him. I'm sure of it. Um, but he was all all set. You know, like I remember shortly after the season, he tweeted, you know, I'll be back. And blah, like, OK, great. Well, let's see what you got. And boy, it lasted two games. So, um, yeah, probably, you know, would be a surprise to see him play again here. But, you know, hopefully we don't need him um, like like what, what I'm seeing from this group so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's been very impressive. The, obviously, the Cambridge brothers came in with chemistry. They've been playing together their whole lives. Sure. But, you know, the way Collins has gone has been good. Um, Washington's been a very strong contributor. Still not getting much from Boyachi. No, you know. no, I know he was sick, and, and I'm sure that, you know, like, I don't know if that's having any longer-term effects. He missed that trip to Brooklyn because he was sick, and, uh, you know, and he's, he, yeah, he just comes off as very, very much a raw project anyway, and so missing time can't help. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we are seeing, uh, you know, much better um, putting it together quicker because after the first three games, you know, that big-time struggle in the first game against Tarleton State, and then game three, you lose to Texas Southern, and you think, man, you know, is it going to be another one of those years where it's like, well, if we only could have put it together early, this could have been, you know. Well, since then, it has it has happened, and we're not putting ourselves behind the eight ball, at least. You know, like we're not going to go into conference season thinking, well, we got to go, you know, fifteen and three the rest of the way to have a chance to do something. Like we we're having a good enough start to give ourselves some hope as as the season progresses. Yeah, we're we are banking quality wins. Yeah, yeah, you know, good start in conference play. Good, you know, nice top twenty-five win. Oh, they're not top twenty-five anymore, but you know, um, they were when we played them. And so, yeah, you know, there's there's enough there right now that is, you know, if you can avoid the pratfalls the next few weeks, um, and you know, even if you lose to Creighton, you know, if you get through the rest. And be what, you know, I mean, that's not a guarantee. I'm not saying it is. But if you could be, you know, 12 and 2 or something like that going into the heart of conference season, you know, mm-hmm. you feel like you're at least playing your way into into the conversation 
um, and not having to, you know, be near perfect through January, February, March, which is where we were last year. Yeah. It feels like, and I, I could be wrong, but the stuff I'm reading, you know, we haven't played a Q1 game or we're one and in Q1 games. We haven't played a Q2 game. Right, and then we've right. been really good in Q3, and then the loss is a bad loss. Yeah. I, yeah. And we acknowledge, have to acknowledge, sure. it's a bad loss. But, you know, they're building the kind of resume where that loss may not be, you know, devastating. Killer. No, I, I agree, yeah. I mean, I, you can survive one like that. Uh, you know, it's it's when you start piling those up and you have three or four, and then you're, you know, struggling in conference play, and, uh, you know. Uh, and again, you know, it's just, I mean, it's nice to be two and O to start the conference season. It doesn't, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like more often than not under Hurley, we've started poor in conference play. Like most years, it feels like even the years where we started, you know, we went into conference play ranked one year we were, you know, top five in the country. We've gotten off to poor starts in conference season. So, you know, it's just, it's nice to sit on two and O and, you know, for, for a couple of weeks now before you have to, you know, have that record change at all. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I'm happy with where we're at. I mean, it's a long, long, long ways to go before Selection Sunday and things can can change and feelings can change. But, you know, sitting here three plus months before the tournament selection show, uh, you know, can't be too upset with where we stand right now. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we we talked about it before, right, that this was a hot seat type of year for Bobby Hurley. Yeah. I'm going to say this is it, both the way he's handled the uh, Bagley situation and the way that he's gotten these guys to start playing together. It's an impressive coaching job. Like the oh, actual yeah. X's yeah, yeah. and O's I mean, coaching definitely. and the ego management. That it's impressive. Yeah, so far so good. Uh, when it comes to you know handling this type of year, and you know I I said it before the year when we talked, I still one hundred percent feel the same. I don't want him to be chased out of town. You know, I really I really don't. Like I want him to succeed. I want him to to stay here and and you know maintain some success. I like him. I, I you know this is not a this is not like some of the football hires where it was like, all right, we, it's time. You know, I think we both were there with Herm. Um, we both were there probably a year early with Todd Graham. Uh, we certainly were both there with, with Cutter and Erickson when it came time yeah. to get rid of them. Like, all right, it is time. I don't want to move on from this guy. And so I, I like what he's done so far, and I just hope he can keep it up. I absolutely agree. I, I think one thing, we didn't even talk about it. You know, I said that, you know, having Collins out and they still won that game in Colorado. Well, the starting point guard was Nunez, who he recruited. Yeah. And it's like, that's a big sign, right? Yeah. That, you know, he, you lost your star point yeah. guard and your freshman was capable. Like he wasn't Agreed. fantastic, but he was capable in his first I, starring role. Yep. Yep. And, and he's been good playing alongside Collins. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, a fair amount to like about, you know, how things are going. And again, you know, like it can change, uh, you know, a, a three or four game losing streak in conference play and all this optimism could be, you know, out the window. But, but I, you know, 
I like where we sit right now and uh, you know, we'll just we'll just keep keep on going and hopefully the momentum keeps rolling along. Yeah. I agree. Let's uh speaking of momentum, let's pivot over to football where for being a three and nine team, all the momentum in the world, uh, in the fan base right now at least. Yeah, I mean, a, a new coach always, you know, makes you feel like there's a fresh start and a new day. And, you know, we, we talked about this in September when, when Herm, you know, left. I remember, you know, both of us kind of said, like, well, at least this, you know, this guarantees we'll have that, like, sort of positive feel. But it seems even more positive just because of who this guy is and he's really rallying the troops and yeah, it's it's you know it's it's a good feeling right now, and again we're all or even longer from you know playing a game, um, but you know like what he's done so far. Now look, I I'm going to start with the coaching side of it, and then we'll talk about transfers and transfer portal. But yeah, uh, first let's run through the coaches known as of now on the staff: uh, Bo Baldwin, offensive coordinator; Brian Ward, defensive coordinator. Charlie Raggle, is it Ragley or Raggle? I think it's, it's Raggle. Uh, special teams coordinator, Aguano back with the running backs. Vince Amy following Raggle, uh, former ASU D lineman, going to coach the D line. AJ Cooper announced from Washington State to be the linebacker coach. And then this is where I'm hoping for like the positive version of Prentice Gill and Chris Hawkins. Rashad yeah. Samples, the wide receiver coach. Brian Carrington, defensive back coach, both were on Tom Herman's Texas staff. Both are young. Both are thought to be great recruiters. Carrington yeah. apparently was integral in the B. John Robinson recruitment, so he actually knows the area. Sure, sure. And and the, the, the first guy there, he's an assistant with the Rams now, or was, yeah. at least this year, so he's got some NFL He was the experience. youngest NFL coach. He was 27. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, like, yeah, I, I like it. I, you know, I, I, I read, you know, some stuff initially that it was like, you know, oh, he should, you know, like filling up his staff with, with, you know, all, you know, ASU alums. And it's like, that's tempting, but you also, you need to have some diversity. Like, yeah. you know, is it, is it fun on paper to think about, you know, Derek Hagan and Burko and Taylor Kelly and, you know, like, yeah. But, um, you know, as, as we've discussed, like, yeah, you want to recruit Arizona. Yes, that needs to be a priority to do that better. But I don't know that you can fill up your roster with just Arizona guys and expect to be a, you know, conference championship type team. I don't think you can. You could have that be the, the you know, majority. Maybe not majority, but, you know, you can, you can certainly do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to be able to get, you know, kids from California, kids from Texas, and, you know, I, a couple of these guys I know have Texas recruiting roots, as you just mentioned. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's always tough. I don't know a ton about a lot of these guys, but on on the surface, I, I like the defensive coordinator hire. Washington State was one of the better defenses in the conference this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that intrigued me when I heard that. Yeah, so bringing him, the last guy who's been named uh, offensive line coach Saga to Atele, but... I think, so you've got Amy, who's an alum. The tight end job is still open, and Chris Cartman, to you know, a guy who yeah. seems to know these things, says the TE job is going to be filled by this weekend and expect another big local name. Yeah, I'm which vi- I don't know who that is. 
I'm very curious if it's a Zach Miller, Todd Heap situation, or if it's a, you know, Taylor Kelly situation. Yeah, I wondered about Taylor Kelly, uh, you know, but I mean, and I don't know, I don't think they've hired anybody. You know, Taylor Kelly was in modern day, and modern day's coach retired. They're, you Mm -hmm. know, long time legendary coach, and I I read, you know, his name mentioned as a possible successor, and (laughs) You know, I know mm-hmm. being a college assistant it comes with cachet, but, you know, you'd be the head coach of one of the top high school programs in the country. I think you'd probably take that if it's mm-hmm. offered to him. So I don't I don't know where he stands. Right? You know, I don't think they've hired anybody, at least last I'd heard. So, but anyway, what I guess what I'm getting at is you've got two guys who were hugely, phenomenally successful high school coaches in Arizona. Right. You've got... A young guy who grew up here, but who has coached across the country and recruited in every market as the top guy. You've got a defensive coordinator who knows the conference well. He he was the coordinator of the number three defense in the conference, as you said. And then you've got two young guys who came from Tom Herman's Texas staff. And I know that Tom Herman in Texas didn't go well, but they sure recruited fine. You know, they did, and and you know, like yeah, Tom. I mean, that's one of those like. It didn't go well because the expectations were so high, but it wasn't a spectacular failure. Like, his, his, you know, they went to the Sugar Bowl once. Uh, they, you know, I think his last year they, they won nine games. Like, you know, so, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, running from that association necessarily. Like, the expectations were higher, and he didn't meet those expectations. But, you know, that you're right. They recruited well, and they were you know, a spectacular disaster like, uh, you know, Scott Frost in Nebraska, for example. A lot of hype, and they never had even a 500 record. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's very interesting. So, yeah, I, I like, you know, I mean, again, I don't know a ton about, a ton, you know, like assistant coaches, it's always hard. Like, how, you know, it, was the Washington State defense good because of this guy or interject? Yeah. Well, this is one of those things, though, that's interesting, right? Because the Washington State defense was better. But like you said, this is the time of hope. We get to look around and say, like, you know, these guys are tweeting about, you know, tweeting quotes from The Wire to announce they're coming. We we just (laughs) landed a a state rebound uh, from Wisconsin, a defensive lineman who is coming back now. Coming back Saguaro, home. Saguaro, right? He's yeah. Saguaro kid. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of, it, and this is the season of hope. Um, sure, sure. You know, you're seeing a lot of people who are immediately saying, you know, Herm didn't get a single person in the top 20 from 2021 or 2022 in Arizona. And already, Dillingham's got a guy. He got a guy to come back. Right, so, right. You know, and there's a lot of hype. We'll see how realistic it is, you know, about, you know, people are getting their hopes up. I I saw, I sent you DJ Uyangale was mentioned as someone who may come here. And it's like, yeah, I guess. Like, I mean, I mentioned it to you. I feel like, (laughs) I feel like DJ needs, you know, he needs a kind of a, a, like a, somebody to, I mean, and I, I think, I think Clemson actually treated him pretty well. But it feels like he just needs a total fresh start. He needs somebody to like put put their arm around him and say, "It's it's all right, man. Like just just be you. Just go out and play." Like it seemed like he was playing so 
scared of Clemson at times, like so robotically um, trying not to make mistakes and therefore you make more mistakes. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, yeah, I think this is an intriguing spot for him. Come back West. He's from the LA area. Well, you uh, kind saw, of, you know, you off saw the radar what, a little, uh, but, but not totally off the radar. When you saw what Bo Nix was able to do in this offense yeah, in one year. Yeah. I mean, they're not the same type of player, No, but, but the, the backstory of their careers you know, went to a big time place, kind of started out house on fire. You know, initial impressions like, oh, this guy's going to be a superstar. And it didn't quite happen. You know, it wasn't horrible, but it just never quite happened the way it was supposed to. And yeah, Bo Nix got that fresh start and, and had his best year and did it play in, in part for Kenny Dillingham. And so, you know, the, the parallels are certainly interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's the type of quarterback Dillingham wants. You know, Dillingham wants a quarterback that's really a big-time running threat. DJ's probably not the greatest fit. He's not a bad runner, but he's not a real fleet of – he's not Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix is a fast – you know, you can call running plays for him and get out on the edge. That's not DJ's style. So I don't know. I'm not sure what he's looking for, but, boy, there's plenty of options out there beyond him. There mm-hmm. are already, you know, double-digit, you know, starters from last year that are that are there. So yeah, well, I mean, the kid from Oklahoma State just entered the portal. Who did? Uh, Spencer from Oklahoma State. Yeah, Spencer Sanders. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's uh, you know that would. I mean, I don't know if we're if we're a realistic option for him, but certainly I would would be in, intrigued if he wanted to look here um, because he, you know, a good runner, good athlete, certainly plenty of experience. Um, you know, you got to find the right one. It's it's Oregon did, and they had a really good year. Washington did, and they had a great year. And he's coming uh, back. He's coming back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so like if you find the right one, I feel like things can fall into place relatively quickly. That doesn't mean you know we're going to be Pac-12 championship game next year, but it means that we could we could certainly show some life and and you know the rest of the pieces kind of fall in around them if you get that that right guy and if not you you try again the next year like that's the that's the beauty of the portal in a way is like if you miss you're gonna have a lot of options again next year mm-hmm. well and just the way that they're doing it i think is interesting because he's built the staff quickly uh you know jody ayler uh the radio guy made a comment that dillingham did not miss on his assistance and did not seem like somebody who hadn't thought about this before, you know, like true. he went out, he got these guys, he moved quick. You know, it's been a week and he's almost filled his staff. You're right. No, it feels like he had a, he had a plan and you know, I mean, (laughs) I saw him a few days ago, he said, you know, there are guys that, that I already have, you know, picked out that I'm going to let them, you know, announce it in their time. I'm not going to, you know, and yeah, it feels like he, he knew what he was doing and, and who he wanted. And, you know, hopefully that was something that he, you know, helped him get the job. You know, that should be one of the things you look for in an interview is like, all right, who are you going to bring with you? You know, it's great to be the head coach and it's great to have passion for the university and all that. But, you know, it takes, it takes more than one guy to be a successful staff. He's off to a, a good start. It seems like. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm very impressed. Um, Me too, yeah. 
Now let's talk about the flip side of the coin, the guys who are no longer part of this program. Which is the nature of the beast, yeah. you know, nowadays, yeah. So, Ladarius Henderson gone very quickly committing to Michigan. I saw on ASU Twitter some people are like, oh, I, you know, it's amazing he was able to set all this up and be there and meet with every <laughs> single coach after yeah. being in the transfer portal for less than a day. Right, uh, right. Sort of like, uh, you know, Cade McNamara leaves, leaves Michigan and, you know, 48 hours later he's going to Iowa. Wow, you got to that decision pretty quick. Yeah. Um, but that was a big one. Uh, on the staying side, Jalen Conyers, at least for the first transfer portal window, did not enter. That's big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'd be good to keep him. He certainly, you know, really had a coming out party the last, you know, four or five weeks. We, like, he, he looked good. And I, I think if somebody, I don't know, it was Cartman or somebody even referenced that, that during the Arizona game, like, you know, how they couldn't have figured out how to use him better the last year and a half is kind of a head scratcher. And it's true. Like it's an indictment on the, on the previous coaching staff that, you know, man, we got, we got almost nothing out of him. Yeah. Seriously. Until, until really the Colorado game. And then, and then those last, you know, after that, the last four games, he was, he was a big factor. Yeah. And, and I saw Messiah Swinson made his announcement that he's back. Although now, in the post Jaden Daniels world, take that with right. a whole big pile of salt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, until mid January, you you can't count on it, you know, because guys change their minds, you know, like they, uh, you know, it's like okay, we got this forty five day window that just started yesterday. So yeah, when when we get to mid January, we should have a, a better feel for who's on the roster. Uh, who's still here um, and who we brought in. And, you know, I think it'll be much more than just a quarterback, but I imagine there will be a quarterback, if not more than one. Um, one thing I'm surprised is I haven't heard of it. It's early, still very early, but, you know, none of our quarterbacks have left except for Paul Tyson. I guess we did here. He, you know, he went in the portal, but those three young kids, like I'm surprised they haven't bolted. Yeah. No. Well, and Borgay, you know, he's he, he he's acting like he's going to be the starter. You know, I, which is fine and dandy, but you know, I don't think he should be. You know, like I, I guess if we bring in a middle of the road transfer and it's like, okay, you know, roll the ball out there, whoever's better. Okay, if he has to earn it, but I certainly don't think. Or, or expect that, you know, it's going to be like, yeah, we've got our starting quarterback. We're all good. I, I would not want that to be the case, nor do I think it is the case. Yeah, I agree. I The other thing that was interesting is up till now, at least, uh, I believe Elijah Badger still on the yeah. team. Yeah. So. I mean, it's got to be, you know, you would hope. And, and obviously there's there's things about the calculation beyond just what, you know, what we think of in terms of, you know, or, but, you know, you bring in a good young offensive coach, you'd think that would be appealing to offensive skill players, you know? Yeah. Like, okay. You know, I saw what Oregon did this year and this guy's going to run our offense and like, yeah, I want to, I want to take my chance there. Now weird things happen with the transfer rules now and guys that you would never think would leave all of a sudden are because it's not just the transfer rules. It's the, it's the NIL. And, and the combination of the two has just, you know, like you have to re-examine everything. Um, you know, I saw rumors, just rumors for now, but, you know, like could Drake May transfer out of North Carolina? 
that would have been unthinkable just three years ago. But now he could go play right away, and he could stand to make a lot of money if he left North Carolina to go to Alabama. So, you know, you put two and two together, and yeah, he sure could. I don't know that he will, but he sure could. Yeah. I it, It's... It's a fascinating new world. It really is. I mean, I, I was thinking about it, you know, last couple of days. It's all this, like, I feel like if you had one without the other, if you had NIL without the transfer rules changing or vice versa, it wouldn't be quite as crazy. It would still be weird, but it, but it's just like, now it's like, you know, I know there was suggestion last year and there was some logic to it that like, should Bryce Young put himself in the transfer portal just to see, you know, what he can get anywhere else? And he didn't, but... Like, there's logic to having done that if he had. Yeah, of just being a free agent every year. Basically, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, at least at least when, you you know, like in, if, if you're in Drake May's shoes, you haven't used that one-time transfer. You're not draft eligible. You are after next year. So, do you, you know, if he plays well again next year, he's not going to be in college again. Like... Would you think about it? Now, he's a North Carolina legacy. His dad played there. His brother played basketball there. I don't think he will. But, you know, a good businessman would say, yeah, see what's out there. Maybe you go back. Maybe somebody in Chapel Hill ponies up a ton of money and says, oh, we're, we're going to keep you here. But at the very least, see what your market is. Yeah. I mean, it's the the money piece of this. Like, it's almost like, negotiating when you've got your you know you're on salary you're there and so you go solicit other offers so that you can come back and say well they'll give me this right right yeah so if he you know if he says you know well hey uh i got this offer to go to alabama and i got this offer to go to ohio state and you know boy i really love north carolina but you know could you could you match it or could you get me to you know 90% of it, at least, because then my love for the school will overcome the 10% I didn't get. But, you know, like, again, it's it's sort of like Jordan Addison. Like, in the past, you know, Jordan Addison wins the Bolitnikoff at Pitt. He's not draft eligible. He, that In no way would you be thinking he's going to transfer. He's not going to sit out a year. Well, now you don't have to. And you can go to USC and put yourself on more of the radar than you would at Pitt. It's like, ugh. Okay. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a brave new world and we're still kind of getting the feel for it, I think. Yeah. I, I will say there has been a number of think pieces, uh, the athletic ESPN Fox, either on TV or on the radio or on, you know, their websites about, well, now there's 1300 kids in the transfer portal. Right. You, you can go back. I mean, Omar right. Norman Lotz in the right. transfer portal for the second time. I don't think he'll come back this time. Right, right. Yeah, you can. You know, uh, you know. Now, obviously, you you risk the team moving on without you. Um, you know, like either outright just not saving a scholarship, or at the very least, you know, recruiting over you and get somebody else. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, you can come back, but your starting job isn't there anymore. Um, you know, so. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's different. There's no other way to say it. It feels like, you know, everything is possible uh, and nothing is a given. You know, I, I follow the quarterbacks very close around the, you know, the power five. And it's, it's amazing. Like thinking about like next year and like so few, 
seem like really sure bets to be back where they are. A lot will when it comes down to it, but outside of like Caleb Williams at USC, there aren't very many that I would be right now say, yep, they're going to be, I guess, Penix now at Washington based on what he said. Um, but it's like, you know, God, between the draft, potential transfer, eligibility, maybe up, maybe not up. It's it's impossible to know who's going to be where. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is fascinating. I mean, it, you know, like yeah. you pointed out, Spencer Sanders, like that's one of those that never in a million years would I, that have happened before now. I think I mean, he was there for five years. I, I think he, he redshirted and then was, was basically a four-year starter. Yeah. Um, has one year of eligibility left because of 2020. And, and you know, was good. Was an all-Big 12 quarterback last year. They made the Big 12 title game. Um, you know, this year he had some injuries, you know. But good player. If he'd chosen to come back, the starting job would have almost certainly been his. But instead, he's going to see what else is out there. And I already, you know, just rumor, but, you know, it's like, well, Tennessee or Florida. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah. Uh, if I'm him, I'm, I'm intrigued by that positive. Tennessee especially. Play one year Tennessee, put up monster numbers like Hendon Hooker did, and see what happens. Yeah. Before we go, I want to transition to the other Sanders news, which is Deion Sanders. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Look, the we talked about this before as a possible thing for ASU. Would yeah, we, yeah. you know, I I think him taking the Colorado job tells me we we would have been in contention for Coach Prime. I agree. I think that was the thing that that one of the lessons I took from this, or not lessons, but things I was surprised at is he wasn't as in demand as I thought. Uh, yeah. I really thought Auburn would would go after him hard. They obviously did not. I thought Georgia Tech would. I don't think they did either, um, which I question why. Like, it was there hesitant? I mean, the one thing you think about is like, okay, yes, Colorado got him, and now Colorado is essentially Deion Sanders University. Yeah. And if your leadership is not totally on board with pursuing that, I can see why maybe, it did, you know, like were there people at Auburn and Georgia Tech and other places that are like, nah, you know, yeah, this guy would bring talent, but he also brings a whole lot that we're just, you know, this is this is our university. We're not turning it over to Deion Sanders. Well, and that to me, I think, is part of the issue as well, right? Like, he came in and already was like, well, some of you aren't going to have jobs. Like, right. uh, my right. son's going to be the quarterback, so there you yeah. go, quarterback room. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the that's the thing. The guy has been a self-promoter extraordinaire since he was 18 years old playing at Florida State. So, like, you know, like you are, I mean, you think about it in terms of ASU, like, you know, it was, it was probably a pipe dream because really is Michael Crow, who doesn't really love athletics as it is, gonna, you know, gonna basically willingly be like, well, yes, I'll, I'll turn over the image of this university to Deion Sanders or any football coach. I don't think so. Yeah. That's not his style. And I bet you there are people high up at Auburn and high up at Georgia Tech and high up at Nebraska and Wisconsin and every other place that said the same. Like, yeah, he might be able to bring a lot of blue chip talent and that'd be exciting, but he's not worth a headache. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it was immediate. The The press was there. He oh, did yeah. his Deion oh, Sanders yeah. thing. And I, and I will admit, 
I mean, and I don't know about you. I will. I, I love Kenny Dillingham's hire. I'm very excited. I will admit to a tad bit of, of envy at some of the coverage surrounding Colorado and this, you know, like, oh, they're going to start getting these five-star guys. And it's like, man, boy, that, that could have been us. Uh, you know, now I hope five years from now, it's like, well, we made the right decision. You know, we didn't we didn't marry the supermodel. We married the, the nice, wholesome girl next door. And boy, are we happy, whereas the supermodel ditched the guy who she did marry. And they're left at the, you know, they're left in the lurch. I, I hope that's the case. Yeah, I mean, we're... Colorado is going to have a much more hyped up version of what we went through with Todd Graham, I think. Yes. He yes. was there a little longer, but he he sold Jackson State a bill of goods. You know? Oh god, yeah. Oh I'm yeah. here yeah, yeah. to to show HBCUs, you know, they can, can compete, compete at the with highest the best level. and I can yeah, I can recruit the best players here and yeah. Yeah, he used him as a stepping stone just like everybody should have seen coming. I hate to say mm-hmm. it, but I'm not at all shocked. I'm not, I'm not shocked either. I'm more just, you know, if I'm if I'm recruiting negative against Colorado, mm-hmm. I would say unless you are his son, don't expect that you'll be at wherever he is in four years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would say. One way or the other, he will not be in Colorado four years from now. He'll either have success and move up and out, you know, up and out um, to you know Florida State or the SEC or something like that, or he won't have success and he'll get the narrative out there that you know Colorado didn't give him the resources to have success, and he'll he'll take a lateral move to you know a Big Twelve program or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. This but is, I, I don't see him putting down roots in Colorado. Well, and and the stuff about like this is a place that's won a national title before, and you know, I under, I now being here understand that that's what you people want. Right. Like, every fan base wants to win a national title. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to have won one before to want that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And yes, they have won one before, but you know, so has uh, you know Yale and Harvard. And so is Minnesota. And like, you know, like it's been a long, long time since Colorado's been a national championship contender. And, you know, he's going to bring in some talented guys, but you've got to, you got to get that talent to mix. And, and we'll see. Maybe he will do that, you know? And if he does, I mean, will I admit that when the Pac 12 schedule comes out, one of the first things I'll be looking at is when does Colorado visit ASU? Yeah. And have I ever done that before? No. So, I mean, he's going to bring eyeballs initially, but the key is, does that sustain? You know, we're always attracted to the new and exciting thing, and he is that right now. But by 2025, are we still attracted to it, or is it is it a circus show by that point? Yeah. Well, or, or is he gone? I, yeah, I, you know, like, I, has he already left by that point? By, by, so that would be two seasons from now? Yeah, yeah. I think he makes it no more than three. That's my prediction. I think so, too. I agree. Yeah, that was exactly what I thought. Like, he either has success in bolts or he sees the writing on the wall that he's not going to have the success he's looking for and bolts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, 
it's going to be interesting. The conference between USC and UCLA leaving and Dion coming, the conference is going to get attention. Sure, um, sure, yeah. I, I yeah, think I mean, if you know, I'm... Obviously, USC will be very high on the radar next year, and it's their last year in the conference, but, you know, with the, I would say, likely Heisman winner. I don't know if you yeah. agree with that, but I think he's going to win the Heisman. Well, um, since the former back. winners get to vote, and most of the former winners are USC quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I think he's going to win, and I, I think he probably should because it's kind of a year where no one really asserted themselves. Like, you know, every time somebody did, either got hurt or their team lost or both. And, uh, you know, uh, he had a really good year. I'm, I'm happy if he wins. Um, but, you know, he'll be back either whether he wins or, or comes in second. You know, he'll certainly have a lot of attention. And, yeah, Dion will bring attention. Oregon always gets attention. Washington, I think, is probably a, you know, probably preseason top 10 team next year with Penix coming back. Like they had a really good year, finished strong. Um, so, yeah, it'll it'll be a fun year. This was a good year for the conference. You know, they – uh, I saw they put out the awards today, and you know, Kalen DeBoer, Jonathan Smith shared Coach of the Year, and Lincoln Riley's a finalist for some National Coach of the Year awards, and didn't didn't wasn't one of the two Pac-12 Coaches of the Year. So that tells you it was a pretty good good year for the conference, I would say. Absolutely, I I'm I, I'll level with you. I think we are in a great spot as a conference, even without USC. As long as well, you stay, but I think we're even better with USC. And and then I I will also say, George Klyavkov, uh, Deion Sanders, is a great blessing for that TV deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And and you know, I I think I mean I guess one thing that's that's become official since the last time we talked is that the twelve team playoff is happening starting you know two seasons from now we have one yeah. more year after this of four teams and then we go to 12 and i you know maybe i'll be wrong i mean things have surprised me about the 14 playoff but to me this 12 team model really reduces the need to move conferences i mean you know like if if your goal is hey we want to compete at the highest level in football well you know if you're oregon washington i know they've been rumored to move but like why would you I mean, I know the money's good going to the Big Ten. I get that. But your road to contending for a national championship is much, much easier staying in the Pac-12. Yeah, I I agree. And, and I, think, I, mean, I think where I'm at as a fan, you know, because we talked about would you try to bolt? Would you try to leave? Yeah. I don't think so anymore. No, I don't either. No, no. I mean, I think with the – it's because it's not just 12 teams. It's the six conference champions. That's the thing. All you got to do is be among the six best conferences, which is – I mean, I know they didn't actually put it in the bylaws. It's going to be the Power Five. It's, it's, yeah. it's always going to be the Power Five and then probably the American, maybe the occasional Mountain West are going to be those six conference champions. So – yeah, I think you stay exactly where you are. And honestly, like, unless they really can add value, I'm not blown away by the need for San Diego State and SMU or, or anybody like that. Like, keep it at 10. Divide the money by 10 instead of 12. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you keep it at 10 and play a true round robin every year, 
you know, I, I know there's other things that are factored in besides what fans want. I totally understand that. But to me, like, that's the truest test of who the best teams are. You have your conference championship game with the top two teams, no more divisions. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Stay right where you are. I I agree. And I just think with the way college football is, if we stay here, all you got to do is catch the right transfer market one year. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the right, the right breaks once and you're there. You yeah. Know? And you're I mean, in. And you once know, you're in, you're in. Right. I mean, you know, look at if that model existed this year, Utah's playoff team and, and Utah had a good year, but not a great year. Like they, they lost that opening game to Florida, tough game. They lost a tough game at Oregon and, and that knocked them out of any hope. But in the future, the near future, you know, mm-hmm. they they got the right breaks. They won a three-team tiebreaker. They beat USC, and boom, they're a playoff team. And and so, yeah, I mean, that should absolutely be the, the, the thought process, I think, is, yeah, you want to be, you know, one of those heavyweights, but that's tough to be. It's not as tough to be one of the top 12. It's not as tough to be one of the top two in the conference and then win the conference title game. That is not easy, but it's not impossible. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a fascinating time between transfers, NIL, playoff, yeah, the Rose it's a Bowl losing. It's just such a different world. Yeah, yeah. We're, I mean, in terms of college football, like, and I don't know that I'm necessarily thrilled by every aspect. Uh, I don't know that I hate every aspect. I don't. Um, you know, the 12 team playoff conflicts me. Really does. There's part of me that thinks it's not necessary that we're going to have, you know, three and four loss teams in contention for playoff. And I don't know that that's good. Um, but I also think it probably is necessary because the four team model has started to feel like if you're not one of, you know, eight to 10 programs, you have no chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now TCU blows that out of the water a bit because TCU was expected to be, you know, like eighth in the big 12 this year, but you know, it took a perfect season for them to have that chance. Like no, no margin for error. Basically they had to go 12 and zero, and yes, they lost the big 12 title game in overtime, but you know, that shows you how difficult it is. Whereas Alabama goes 10 and two doesn't make their conference title game. And you had people clamoring for them to get in. Yeah. It is something, man. It is something. It is. It is. It's, uh, you know, this, this going to a, a 12 team playoff is really going to be, and it's a major, major change. I mean, it's, it's the biggest change in, you know, college football structure probably ever, you know, to, to go from four to 12 is monster. And, and, you know, it's just going to change the way the whole season feels, I think. Yeah. Well, We'll be back. We're going to talk about all of that and more. Until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.